Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. It's a joy to be here this morning. God is good. And all the time, praise the Lord. The book of 2 Kings chapter 3. 2 Kings chapter 3. Now I realize that having Cameron McGill here for 18 years, of course the first five or six he couldn't preach. Uh, uh, Maybe 10 or 12 he couldn't preach, I don't know. But I know he could preach the last six or eight because I heard him during that time period. I don't come pretending to say a whole lot that he didn't say. Um, I'm going to say it a little different than he said it. I'm older than he is, so I'm not as wild. Um, But I want to talk to you about something this morning. may sound a little strange. Are you at 2 Kings chapter 3? Let's have prayer. Our Father, thank you for reminding us anew and afresh this morning through the beautiful music that you are indeed holy. Help us to realize as much as is humanly possible the awesomeness of your presence, your holiness and your purity. Help us to realize, Holy Father, today that anywhere you are is indeed holy ground. And today, Holy Father, we come to you asking in the precious name of Jesus that you'll open our minds and our hearts that the Word of God might speak to us, that we might have hearts that yearn for you, that we might be brought into your presence by your Spirit, that we might hear the loving call of God. Now, Father, I thank you for Dublin First Baptist Church. And during these days of transition, may God the Holy Spirit give guidance and direction. May he give wisdom. And may all that transpires be to the end that you are glorified and Jesus is preeminent. In these moments, I ask that the Spirit of the living God would grant his fullness, his unction, his illumination, Dear Father, minister to each of us where we are. 
And now I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, might be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read verse 16, but I'm going to ask you to keep your Bible open. Second, Second Kings chapter 3, verse 16. And he, Elisha, said to him, Thus saith the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. Now, if you just read that verse and that's all you read, you would be kind of wondering what in the earth is happening here. I heard a rather interesting story. Two gentlemen were digging a ditch on an extremely hot August day. Their supervisor is sitting under a shade tree having a cool glass of lemonade. One of the men digging the ditch turned to the other and said, I don't understand. Why are we in the ditch doing all the work and he's over there relaxing under the shade with a cool lemonade? The other man said, I don't know. Why don't you ask him? He said, I believe I will. So he got out of the ditch, went over to the other, to the supervisor and said, I don't understand. We're here bearing the heat of the day, digging the ditch, and you're over here relaxing in the shade with a cool lemonade. Why? And the supervisor looked at him and said, intelligence. The man looked at him and said, Intelligence, what's that? The supervisor said, Come here and I'll show you. So the supervisor got up, the other man came, and the supervisor laid his hand against the tree. And he said, Now I want you to hit my hand as hard as you can with your fist. So the man drew back, and when the fist was about three inches from the tree, the supervisor moved his hand. The worker said nothing, went back to the ditch, digging the ditch, and started again. And the other fellow said, well, what did he say? He said, it was intelligence. So he said... Intelligence, what's that? And the other man just smiled and said, I'll show you. So he put his hand on his face. And said, hit my hand as hard as you can with that shovel. Those of you that got it, tell those who didn't. 
Now, everyone in this building knows this morning that individuals who are engaged in digging ditches are much more intelligent than that. Spiritual intelligence is comprised of a great number of things. But primarily, spiritual intelligence is comprised of obedience to the will and way of God. Now, what we have before us this morning is a man saying to a group of individuals, this is what the Lord says to you, make this valley full of ditches. Now, I'm going to put all of that in context, and we're going to think about this morning digging ditches. There are three thoughts there, and the first that I want you to notice is the challenge to dig ditches And that is in verses 4 through 10. Now, of course, you understand this morning when I'm talking about digging ditches that I'm not talking about physical ditches being dug. But I'm talking about ditches in our lives and in the life of our church if the power of the Spirit of God is to flow in and through us. So, two things about this challenge. First of all, there is the occasion of the challenge. What caused this challenge to come about? Well, let's look. Misha, the king of Moab, has rebelled. He has been paying tribute to Ahab of a hundred thousand lambs and the wool of a hundred thousand rams every year. Ahab is dead and his son Jehoram comes to the throne. Misha decides This is a good time to rebel. It is a time of transition. Things are not as they have been. This is a time for me to rebel. And so he does. He says, I am not going to be submitted. I am not going to have that yoke upon me anymore. So... What does Jehoram do? In verse 6, he musters his troops. In verse 7, he asks Jehoshaphat, who is king of Judah, if he will go with him. Jehoshaphat says, I'm like you, my men like your men, my horses like your horses. So they pick up the king of Edom And they decide that they're going down there and they're going to squash this uprising. Now on the surface, that appears to be a good strategy. But when you look at it, all it is is the strategy of man's ability of what man is capable of doing. Now here's the point, folks. 
Misha made a decision to rebel because he decided that the price was too great and he was not going to pay that price anymore. I fear that many professed Christians have rebelled because they have concluded that the price is too high for them to really be sold out, surrendered disciples of the Lord Jesus. But let me tell you this. When you rebel against one king, you submit to another king because somebody is in charge and the news flash is, it's not you. It isn't. That's the occasion of it is Misha saying, I know I'm going to rebel. I'm not going to be submitted anymore. But then I want you to notice secondly about this challenge, the omission. These three kings, Jehoshaphat asked, which way are we going to go? Jehoram says, we're going to go this way, which in reality was the longest way to go. They get out there, and they go seven days out in the wilderness, and they make a discovery. Now, that sounds odd, doesn't it? But that's what happens in verses 8 through 10. These supposedly intelligent kings make a discovery. What is it? They have no water. Now look at verse 10. And the king of Israel said, Alas, that the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Now here's the first omission, folks. I've read this text and read this text and I've read this whole story time and time again. And I can't find anywhere in this text, either inferred or directly, where anyone ever sought the counsel of God before they left on this journey. A failure to pray usually results in you and me wanting to blame somebody for what happens. And in this particular case, they want to blame God. The Lord's brought these three kings together to deliver them to Moab. God didn't put them where they were. They were there by their own choice. They never consulted God. By the way, did you get where you are by following the Lord or by forsaking the Lord? It's one or the other. 
You see, we are guilty of making our plans and asking holy God to rubber stamp them with his approval. I don't want to make you mad this morning. Well, I, I don't care if I do or not. <laughs> well, I, I really do care. But God's not your grandfather. You know, you know what grandfathers are, don't you? How many grandfathers in here? Oh, well, just wait till you are. <laughs> grandfathers are something... Special. Amen. <laughs> because grandchildren are just treasures. And it is the hardest thing in the earth for a grandfather to say no to a grandchild. Is that right, granddads? It is. It absolutely is. But I want to tell us all something this morning. God doesn't have any grandchildren. He just has children. You got that? No grandchildren, just children. So you aren't special. Grandchildren are special. Oh, well, I got off track. But the first omission, there's a failure of prayer. The second omission is there's a failure to prepare. Now listen, folks, just, just get in your mind. These are three armies. Right? Israel, Judah, and Edom. They're going down here to put down an uprising from Moab, right? They've come seven days. They discover what? They don't have water. Now they're going down here to fight, right? I mean, that's what it's about. They're going down there to put this uprising down. They get there. They don't have water. They're all ready, it looks like, but look, folks, no water. They're weary. If they got in a fight, what would happen? Moab would whip them as sure. Well, I don't know about the Super Bowl tonight, don't really care. But I'm just simply saying, folks, they're not prepared. They're weak because they don't have water. Sometimes I think about the church, you know. We get all dressed up. We put on the uniform. But we're too weak because the water of the Spirit of God doesn't flow. All right. Good night. Uh, I'm going to quit bringing a watch. And then you'll put a timer on that thing up there, won't you?
That's, that's the challenge. The second thing I want you to see is the call to dig ditches. And that's in verses 11 through 16. When, when, they get it, when they're in this mess, in verse 11, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, says, Isn't there a prophet here that we can inquire of? Now, what I want you to ask, notice is, it is a crisis that made them inquire if there is a prophet, if there's someone there that knows God. And I wonder sometimes if the world isn't asking, where are those individuals that know the Lord? Where is those that can share a word with us? And someone says, yes, Elisha is here. Now, look, please, this call came through the man of God. The call came through the man of God in verse 11 through 15. But Jehoshaphat said in verse 11, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? That's his designation. Now, that's what others said about him. That's how he was designated. When your name is said outside the church, what's the first thing that comes to other people's mind? Now, something does. People that know you outside the church, something comes to mind. That's how you're designated. I mean, this is, that's what, this is what the crowd outside was saying about Elisha. That's, he's a man of God. And then the second thing about him is his denunciation. I, this tickles me. Elisha says to them, why don't you go call on those gods you've been calling on? Why don't you go call on the gods that your father called on? Why not? And then he says, I wouldn't even give you an audience if it were not that I have respect for Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. I wouldn't even talk to you. Now understand, folks, that in our times, he is talking to Washington. I mean, he's talking to kings. And he says, look, I wouldn't even talk to you. I got to thinking about this this morning, and I said to myself, I said, self, I'd really like one time to talk to Washington. I would. Now, don't get me, I won't get off track here too much. But you know when the, the House and the Senate's together in that big chamber? I'd like to handcuff them there <laughs> and be able to speak to them. I really would. For about an hour off the cuff. And then I'd be cuffed, but that'd be all right. <laughs> 
That's the dumbest bunch I've ever seen in my life. Both sides, I mean, that, that, that is without a doubt the dumbest bunch. Never mind. All right, see, I told you, I, I don't want to get on that. But that's, that's who he's talking to. He's talking to heads of government. And he said, I wouldn't even talk to you. And then the third thing is his demand in verse 15. Now, Tommy, you'll like this one. He says to them, bring me a minstrel. Now, why? Why in the earth does he want somebody to come play music? This whole episode has caused him great consternation. Music would allow him to meditate. Dr. John Phillips, one of the greatest Bible expositors who ever lived, had him at our church when I pastored, and, and Dr. Phillips was just ready to come in and, and speak. And I said, Dr. Phillips, I know you're ready, but the people aren't. They need the music. You may not need it, but they do. Well, it worked. He heard from the Lord. The Lord spoke to him. Listen, folks. It is hard to speak for the Lord just after you've been spoken to by the devil. And Elijah, Elisha here has had this encounter. The music quieted him and the Lord spoke to him and then he was able then to speak for the Lord. Music is vital and you need to pay attention to what you listen to. Okay. The second thing about the call, it carried the message of God. It carried the message of God. Look at verse 16. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. That is definite. Whose valley? Which valley? This valley. The valley they're in. Make that valley full of ditches. Now if I can make a if I can make a statement like this, folks. The valley that you are responsible for making full of ditches is yours. No one else's. Because no one else, you don't know anyone else need. You don't know what's going on in anybody else's life. Nobody else knows what's going on in yours. You are responsible for you. So make this valley full of ditches. Why? So the water of the Spirit of God can flow through you. Make this valley. It is definite and it is difficult. How do I know? They're out in hard places. They're in, it's difficult. Digging a ditch. Hmm. It's difficult. But it had to be done. 
had to be done if they were going to experience God's blessing. All right, now we're going to look at the consequence, verses 17 through 25. What's the consequence of digging ditches? Well, there are two. And the first is the valley of water. Look at verse 17. For thus saith the Lord, ye shall not see wind or rain, neither shall ye see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water that ye may drink, both ye and your cattle and your beast. This follows their obedience in digging ditches. It's unusual. They won't, they won't see wind and rain. That's the normal way, right? Wind and rain proceeding, but not this time. That's not the way it's going to be. They're going to dig ditches, and in a miraculous way, there's going to be water. Folks, if I can say it this way, you and I have got to get God out of the box of our thinking and thinking that God has to do things a particular way. He's God, and He can do things any way He chooses to do them. It's unusual. I'm glad it was. And it's undeniable because they drank. They knew. Undeniable. God at work. And then there's victory in war. Look, look how he goes on and he says in verse 18, And you'll smite every fenced city and every choice city all that's going to fall. He says, it's a light thing to do that. You're going to win the battle. But all that's going to happen after you dig ditches. Now, if they hadn't dug these ditches, see what happened. Moab came. Moab looked out on that valley. The sun shining on the water. Moab thought they were seeing blood. Moab perceived that the three kings had had a fallen out among themselves and that they'd kill one another. And so they cried, Moab to the spoils. We're going to go in and we're going to get the spoils. When Moab approached, then they came out and they defeated them. They followed them. They, they took everything. But it would not have happened had they not been obedient in digging those ditches. Now, digging those ditches made absolutely no sense, did it? But there's something you ought to read if you want to read something that doesn't make sense. Isaiah walked around naked for three years. Isaiah 20, verse 3. Isaiah walked around naked as a sign for three years. In obedience. You see, 
The Lord said to them, make this valley full of ditches. It may seem strange to you and me what the Lord says to us. But the Lord says, make this valley full of ditches. Some things have to be moved. Some things have to be removed in order for the water of the Spirit of God to be able to flow freely in us and through us. But the Lord says, make this valley full of ditches. There's enough of work to be done in me that I don't have time to try to work in you. You can be like Moab and you can rebel and you can rebel against the wrong king. But I want to tell you something this morning. Somebody's in charge and it isn't you. So who's in charge? If you're president and you do not know Jesus as Lord, you may not like it, but that means Satan's in charge. Kingdom of darkness. All of that can change this morning if you're willing simply to repent Lord Jesus, I can't save myself. I know I'm a sinner. Wash me in your blood. Cleanse me. Forgive my sin. It may be this morning that the Lord's made you realize that there are things in your heart, in your life that you need to change. Maybe that this is a church the Lord's saying, I want you to be involved in. Then this would be the time to come. I don't know. And I don't know why the Lord had me preach this. I was going to preach something entirely different. That's why I stammered some this morning. But, you see, my, my being obedient sometimes isn't easy either. Time to come. We're going to sing our invitation on him. Let's stand, please. Bow our head. Want to have a prayer?